This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Hey everyone, welcome to Round Ball Stew. I am Matt Straup. It is Wednesday, November 24th, and that means this is your 4x5 episode. Four writers from NBC Sports Edge for five minutes each. We will talk some Dallas Mavericks stars, Luka Doncic and Kristaps Porzingis, a breakout player in Memphis, some early season betting trends with Corey Parson from NBC Sports Edge, and more. And before we get going, a quick programming note. We won't have an episode on Thursday of this week for Thanksgiving, but we will be back on Friday with a waiver wire podcast, so look out for that. Right now, we welcome in Steve Alexander. Steve, our normal leadoff hitter, Ryan Knauss, is not here. Are you ready for this table-setting role? Do you feel like you're qualified to get on base here? Yeah, I feel feel pretty good. We're gonna we're gonna get it hit by a pitch or take a walk or hit one out. I don't know what, but we're, we're gonna get on base. Lean lean into one. Lean into one, Steve. Take one for the team. Take that, take that front door slider off the left shoulder. <laughs> that might have been a little too inside baseball. All right, let's let's get to let's get to basketball, Steve. I I was proposing that we talk a little Dallas Mavericks. Are you up for that? You're always up for that. Yeah, yeah. I've got my Dallas Mavericks hat on. Even Luka Doncic returned with 26 points, nine rebounds, nine assists, and by the way, had a steal and two blocks. That gives him nine steals and four blocks in his last four active games. He's now at 1.3 steals, 0.7 blocks on the season, Steve. Both of those would be career highs if they held. Have you noticed the little surge in defensive stats from Luka? A little bit, yes. My son is downstairs below us screaming his head off. I'm going to try to tell him to be quiet. Okay. So should I just keep talking then? No, I'm good. Yeah, Luka's been... Luka's... The fact that the Mavericks came back and won that game against the Clippers on Tuesday night was pretty impressive. They were down the whole first half. They couldn't make a three-pointer. The Clippers were trapping Luka hard as soon as he crossed half court. Maxi Cleaver, I think, had a career-high six assists because he was kind of coming to get the ball from Luka and, and freeing him up. But the fact that Luka was able to go for 26, nine and nine with a steal and two blocks in a game where they defended him about as well as they could. I was pretty impressed by that. So yeah, he's the steals and blocks and Luca, there's still a long way to go in the season. He could end up, he could end up still being a very, very highly ranked fantasy player. We got to know that Jared Johnson has, has weighed in in our little private chat here and said he cannot hear your son screaming. So that that's good news. Just want to report that. Dude, he's down there going ballistic. I don't know what he's doing. I'm going to guess he is yelling at a screen in some way, shape, or form. That's my theory. Now he's got his headset on. He's talking to his boys. Anyway. Hey, okay, so we may come back to Luca if we have time, but I want to talk about Kristaps Porzingis now, too. He got off to a rough start to the season, Steve. Had missed five games of his first eight with a back injury. But since returning in nine games, he's sitting around 24 points per game, nine rebounds per game, a couple of dimes, 0.9 steals, 1.3 blocks, 2.23s, immaculate percentages, low turnovers. I mean, when healthy, Porzingis is an absolute fantasy star, but 
I just have this feeling, and I'm sure you do and countless fantasy managers do too, that the floor could just fall out at any moment. It's kind of like the way I feel about Kevin Durant, I think, too, or like the light version of that. Like, incredible guy to have on your roster, but you just never feel fully safe. You know what I'm talking about? You're like always waiting for the other shoe to fall, Matt. Right? Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, I feel that way with Porzingis, too, because at the beginning of the season, he, he's out. He misses five of his first eight. And I'm sure you and I are like, hey, we're smart. We didn't draft Porzingis this year. Everything right. we said is going exactly to plan. But then he plays in a stretch like this, and then it's kind of like, oh, man, I kind of wish I had Porzingis on my team. Uh, he's really fun right now. Yeah. But did you know his first time in his – career he's had seven games in a row of 20 points scored wow wow and you know tuesday night he hit all 10 free throws he hit 9 to 16 shots he had 30 points seven boards steal on a block he looks really good when he's healthy that's why he's the unicorn i mean it's is it, the talent and skill is never the issue with porzingis so it is nice to see that he's just as good now as he as he used to be you can just stay on the court. And I know that you are, we have, we have about a minute left. I know you are not one to like shop someone around in fantasy. If I mean, you just kind of, not to say you don't trade, but you're not trying to capitalize on those spikes in value necessarily. You're more of a ride it out kind of guy like Porzingis is hot. Let's see how long this lasts. But should people who have Porzingis on their roster, how would you be approaching it? Because trading him for anything less than, you know, a top 20 player, I think would be a mistake. But at the same time, I don't even know if you can. Can you get a top 20 player for him given the injury concerns? I think it'd be hard. I think it would be difficult to trade Porzingis and get what you need back from him. But then again, you know, just because you and I yeah. ha are hung up on Porzingis's injury history, it doesn't mean everybody else is. So, I mean, it, it's not out of the realm that you could go out there and, and trade Porzingis and get, get a stud back. I mean... I, I don't think you can get like a red hot John ja Morant or anything like that, but you could probably get somebody really good back. And I, I do think it's only a matter of time before he goes down again. I will say that. Well, I, I would tend to agree with you, but what I would give to go back in time and not draft Michael Porter Jr. And instead take Kristaps Porzingis in the drafts where that happened. I would be happy. Yeah. I mean, and I, it was one thing to watch Michael Porter Jr basically suck <laughs> when he was playing for the first couple weeks or however long he lasted. It's a totally different thing to have his back go out, have his season in jeopardy. I mean nobody nobody really could have predicted that. So I don't I don't feel like I I mean I did steer people the wrong way and I feel a little bit guilty, but you know, you can't predict injuries especially to a guy was so good last year. Yeah, don't feel guilty about that, but do feel guilty that we went about 45 seconds past our allotted time, so we have to go. I didn't hear the alarm. It went. It went. It did the thing where it went really loud, spike. Oh, yeah. Spike in volume, then dip down below, and I don't know why it does that, the mysteries of the uplift alarm tone. Yeah, that's how I slept through uh, my big golf tournament three weeks ago that I was supposed to go play in, so I was not very happy. All right, we'll see you later. Okay, yeah, goodbye. We now welcome in Raphael Johnson, who has been waiting patiently during the, the extra one minute delay there. I'm going to have to, I think Steve's going to have to pay some kind of penalty for that. <laughs> you, you might say that's the producer's fault, but I, I'm going to, I'm going to throw Steve under the bus there for the 
one minute delay since he's not here and he can't weigh in anymore. Raf, how are you? I'm doing well. You? Good, good. I know. I don't know all that's on your agenda for our five minutes here, but I do know that Desmond Bain is yes. going to be part of the conversation. So why don't you uh, launch it for us? That's where we're going to start. He's rostered in 56% of Yahoo leagues, which given his overall production is a bit low. Mm -hmm. And over the last week, last five games, he's been really good. 18.2 points, 4.4 rebounds, 2.0 assists, 0 0.8 steals, and 2.6 threes per game while shooting nearly 55% from the field and 89% from the foul line. You add to that the fact that the Grizzlies have been without DeAnthony Melton. Right. And Dylan Brooks is dealing with a hamstring issue. He may or may not play tonight. And I think that percentage is going to need to uh, increase significantly over the next 24 hours or so. Like, even if those guys get back in relatively short order, you're talking about a guy in Bain who's still starting, who's still giving you top 100 value, as I said. So, yeah, I'm a bit surprised that his percentage is as low as it was, even with that three-game lull in early November that he had. So when you mentioned that you want to talk about Bain, I did a little, I looked things up, and Dylan Brooks has played in four games this season, mm -hmm. at, at before Wednesday. We're talking before Wednesday. So yeah. in 13 games without Brooks, Desmond Bain is around 17 points, four boards, a couple of dimes, 2.63s. In four games with Brooks, he is at 11 points per game, three and a half boards, one and a half assists, 1.33s. Now, you can look at that a number of different ways. I mean, if we're looking for encouraging signs, he did have 16 points in the last game with Dylan Brooks before Dylan got mm -hmm. Dylan Brooks got hurt. So maybe figuring it out. I don't know. Like how how worried are you about Bain producing when Brooks is there? And do you, it's a small sample I'm talking about. So so I don't want to overreact to it. I'm not too worried just because, as you said, it's a small sample size. Like there's still work to be done in terms of figuring out how everything is going to fit. Because even though they played together last season, second year Bain is a different player than rookie year Bain. And also his place within the rotation is different as well. So I'm not too worried, to be honest with you. I think if in, in time they'll figure that out. And I would prefer to bet on the side of Bain continuing what he did, you know, at least being close to what he did while Brooks was out, as opposed to him cratering once Brooks is, is fully ready to go. Last week, we were talking about Jetty Osmond, and I feel like I bailed prematurely on the topic and tried to move on to something else. I don't want to do that to you again this week. Are you feeling like we've covered all the territory you want on Desmond Bain? Yeah, I think we're good there. We've got a quick, I got one more quick hitter to touch on here. Okay, let's do it. We got, we got about two minutes. It's Taylor Horton Tucker. I think when he got back, he was, he was on fire. I think we were all on like the bandwagon for him. And the bandwagon has lost a wheel like Oregon Trail. <laughs> Last three games, 3.3 points, 3.3 rebounds, 3.3 assists, 0 0.7 steals. But get this, he's shooting 14.8% from the field. Oof. And I think he was like 6% from three during this stretch. He's going to be a, a key part of that rotation just because of what he brings to the table with regard to length and defensive ability. But offensively i've got a problem here because you look at who he's on that roster with how many how much of an opportunity is he going to have to turn it around and be a somewhat you know not high volume guy but a medium volume score so i think we may have jumped the gun on, on hopping on the tht bandwagon yeah and by the way i'd be remiss if i did not acknowledge as jared did in the chat the oregon trail <laughs> reference 
I am I am old enough, I regret to say, to have played that like on a on like a computer yeah. on a PC back in the day. Is there a new <laughs> is there a new Oregon Trail game? Did I make that up? Are there new versions of that? I think there is. Yeah. I think there is. There has to be. I, I think so. I don't know. We'll ask Jared when he comes in. I feel like Jared, based on his enthusiasm over that reference, is probably the Oregon Trail expert around here. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, THT had a golden opportunity with LeBron out and went 0 for 8 in 29 minutes. And talk about, yeah. man, talk about a guy just shot out of a cannon to start his season. <laughs> 17 points, 28 points, 25 points. And in that 25-point game, 12 rebounds, three dimes, two steals, a block, three threes. So if you picked him up, I mean, at this point, are you just moving on, Raph? He's 52% rostered. Like, are you dropping him for a hot free agent right now? I definitely am. Uh, 52% is a bit of a shock for me, given how he's played recently. So, yeah, I'd definitely yeah, be moving I'm, on if you can find someone else. Yeah, I still have him in the NBC Sports Edge Company League and have been trying to drop him, but I can't <laughs> figure out. It's, it's slim slim on that waiver wire yeah. with it, 14 teams. All right, Raph. The alarm did that thing again where it goes really loud and then really quiet. We're going to have to troubleshoot that later. But all I know is that our time is up. Been a pleasure as always. Enjoy your holiday, and I'll talk to you soon. You do the same. Thanks. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. All right, we're going to bring in Corey Parson from NBC Sports Edge Betting in one second. But before we do, I want to remind you to download the NBC Sports Predictor app powered by PointsBet and enter this week's free NBA Pick and Roll Contest for a chance to win $50,000. This week, we're highlighting matchups between the Wizards and Pelicans, Bulls and Rockets, and Hawks and Spurs on Wednesday. So if you don't have the Predictor app yet, download it now. And a reminder for everyone watching and listening, this week, NBC Sports is celebrating 100 days to the Winter Paralympics. Make sure to tune in on NBC and Peacock when the games begin March 4th. As we welcome in the aforementioned Corey Parson. Corey, first of all, man, I'm glad you could make it. How are things going? How's it going, Matt? Glad to be here. Man, I feel like I haven't talked to you in a month of Sundays, so it's good to hop on here and talk some hoops with you. I see you added the Bogdanovich jersey to the collection. Yes. So uh, that's, uh, that's something new right there, so I like that. Thank you. Thank you for noticing. Yeah, that was an ad, I feel like, late, maybe during the Hawks playoff run or something like that. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I've got a Bogdanovich, a Collins, a Trey Young, and a Cam Reddish. I feel like the big decision is, what do you do next? You know what I mean? Yeah. Is it is it Capella? Is it Herter? These are the 
big. And you got to go DeAndre Hunter if he can stay healthy. I know. I feel like DeAndre would be the next natural, natural choice, but it's tough. Tough to make that investment. Do you have the MLK one? I don't, but I do like those. This is the, this is like the alternate, just like yeah, alternate. No, it's not. It's not the MLK one though. The Bogdanovich. My brother-in-law ordered the MLK one, right? And the, the 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 MLK is ironed on; it's not stitched on. Wow. I would have sent it back. Yeah, I'd have sent it back. Wow! Yeah, <laughs> iron on is just a, a devastating turn of events when that arrives in the mail. I've had that happen before. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So so Corey, in recent weeks, I, you know, I talked to Vaughn Dalzell, I talked to Drew Dinsick. We talked kind of some specific odds. You know, we talked six man of the year odds. We talked MVP odds. But you have dug up some big picture betting trends that you've seen so far this season. So why don't we run through those and dive into them a little bit? No doubt. The first, I guess I, you're going to go first. I don't know. I don't want to step away. Yeah, no. The, the, well, I, I, I can just say the first one has, you know, you, yeah, you can just set them up and I'll weigh in. The first one, which is I find interesting, is that unders so far this season, unders are hitting at 58%. So when you're betting on totals, you know, unders hitting at almost 60%. It's something I find pretty interesting, especially we don't have a lot of data, but this is a pretty deep into the season for for any side to be hitting at such a high number. And obviously, right. I think you can point this to the the, the, the foul situation. We don't people go into the free throw line as much, but I think not playing in empty arenas has caused some of the scoring to go down as well because you put fans back in the stands. And I think the players' sight changes. Interesting. Yeah, I, I the initial thought I had was, the way the games are being officiated and i always wonder with a trend like that i don't know i feel like the officiating can kind of adjust as the season goes on i don't have the data to to prove that but you know any with any new rule like that you could start to see things maybe loosen up a little bit enforced really heavily early on and then potentially loosen up as the season goes on so i guess that's just something to watch i think it'll be between the the, the officiating loosening up and not to mention the fact i think that we'll start to see you know the, the the odds makers catch on to it, and I think that that will be interesting as well to to kind of because you want to get that more towards 50-50. At least that's what the odds makers are trying to do. The number one team to the under are the New Orleans Pelicans. They used to have this guy named Zion Williamson, was supposed to be a big deal. Haven't really seen or heard from him in a, in a while. The Pelicans, right? So last year you could score two hundred points against them, and their totals was always high. So my guess is their totals are high. But they don't score no points this year. Like they only average 100 points a game. So they're 14 and five to the under this year, and it's mainly because they can't score the basketball. I'm just so happy when you sent me this stat. I was just so happy that the Pelicans have a winning record somewhere. Like that 14 and five next to the <laughs> Pelicans just brought me a little bit of joy when for a team that's three and 16. The the best team to the over is the Los Angeles Lakers. 11 and 8 to the over. Lakers not playing defense, one of the worst defensive teams in the league, giving up 113 points a game. And also, the Lakers have played in three overtime games. When you're playing in overtime games, you, you know, the, the over is more likely to cash. So it sounds maybe more like the, would you say the Pelicans under or the Lakers over is a more bankable trend going forward? Or do you like both of those to hold? I like the Pelicans under as a more bankable trend going forward. I think. The, the odds makers will catch up with the Lakers because the Lakers are on TV so much and they're so heavily bet. And I, I think that's what you're going to see there. Now, favorites, Matt, are hitting at a 54% clip this year. That's interesting this early in the season, well, this deep into the season as well. The best teams against the spread are the Warriors, the Heat, 
the Cavaliers, the Bulls, and the Thunder. The Thunder are very good against the spread. They're undervalued just about every night. But I, but I find the most interesting out of this group is the Chicago Bulls because they're a very public team. So the public is betting on them the later points every night, and they're doing it successfully for the most part. So I think this Bulls team is real, unfortunately. Yeah, the Bull- Yeah, and and the, the when you sent when I saw that list, the the Thunder really jumped out to me because they are. I mean, it's 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 a feisty bad team right now. You know, they've beaten the Lakers a couple times. I do wonder if the Thunder's record against the spread is going to only get worse as the season goes on because we saw what happened in OKC last year where they really at some point are just going to kind of fold up shop. Like they yep. shut down Al Horford for like 30 games, 25 games, whatever it was. Like I, I kind of imagine that repeating itself and maybe the Thunder who are scrappy right now, truly just becoming a mess. What are your thoughts there? I would ride this through the first half of the season. Yeah. When you get to the second half of the season, look forward to that 20 game losing streak. Um, and so I think right. that one is definitely coming. Now, when you look at the teams that are horrible against the spread, yeah. You got the Pelicans because they can't beat nobody. The Rockets, who also can't beat nobody. And the Los Angeles Lakers are one of the worst teams against the spread. And that's because, historically, teams that have LeBron James, Matt, are extremely overvalued. So they're on TV every night, right? So you get LeBron James on TV every night. So they're going to be heavily bet. They're always going to be the favorite because they have LeBron James. And now you add the fact that he plays for the Lakers on top of that. And that's just a, a public betters, you know what I'm saying? That's just a public betters dream. So the Lakers are always overvalued, and they'll probably be a terrible ATS team all season. So basically takeaways here are I'm terrified to go anywhere near the Lakers in any way, shape, or form. I mean, is that is that about where we've landed? <laughs> I rarely bet on the Lakers unless I'm betting on the other team. Like when I see a Laker game on the spread on the on the on the board, I it, I just look past it because you're never going to find value on the Lakers unless they're playing like a Pistons or a Thunder or something like that, and, and you can go the other way. So that's how I look at those things. I, I I stay away from the Lakers. It reminds me, Matt, of when the Warriors were in their their, their glory years, which it looks like they're getting back to at this point. Right when they were in their glory years they were also terrible against the spread because, you know, they would have these big 13, 12, 11-point spreads, and they weren't trying to cover the number. They was trying to win the game, and it reminds me of that. The Lakers team is not a team that I'm, I'm not, that I'm going to be betting on, period. And I'm looking forward. You know, tomorrow in the NFL, we got the big Thanksgiving Day slate, but coming up next month, we got all of those Christmas basketball games, so that will be fun too. Right. Maybe you'll have me back for that. I look forward to it. Let's Let's plan on it. That is the end of our time, Corey. Everyone, you can check out more of Corey's work at NBC Sports Edge Betting. Hear him on the Bet the Edge podcast and follow him on Twitter, the fantasy exec. Corey, thanks for stopping by. Enjoy your holiday. All right. Thanks a lot. You enjoy yours as well. All right. See you, man. Now, here he is. It's time to bring this thing home, as always, with Jared Johnson. Jared, private chat Johnson, the man who keeps us. It's almost (laughs) like you're the producer of the show in a way, Jared. Like you're. I, I'm like, oh, let me see if Jared has any notes in the private chat here. So I would I would say hype man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> By the way, there is a second Oregon Trail. They made a new okay. one. Okay. I thought I'd seen that somewhere. Gonna have to check that out, yeah, I guess. For sure. <laughs> I feel that when I would play that game as a kid, I would spend an inordinate amount of time hunting, if I recall correctly. Yes. That was kind of really <laughs> It was great. Yeah. It was like well, uh, and the then mission Peggy did... would die of dysentery. Yeah. Like the the journey's <laughs> fine. Like we'll cross a lake here and there, but like let's let's go hunting again. I don't isn't that isn't that yeah, really exactly. what we're here for? <laughs> okay. Yes. 
Okay, Jared, I actually have no idea what you want to talk about today. So I'm starting our timer and we'll just see what happens. Cool. Let's head to Toronto. Okay. This man, Chris Boucher, <laughs> uh, we've seen various key players miss time throughout the season. Started with uh, Pascal Siakam. He wasn't there. That didn't help Chris. And then these past three games, OG wasn't there. That didn't help Chris. <laughs> past three games, his first one back from the back injury, 17.5 points. All right. Then his next one, or sorry, minutes, 17.5 minutes. The next game, 23 right. minutes. And it's like, oh, maybe he's maybe he's gonna be in the Nick, he's gonna be in the rotation. And then Nick Nurse says, No, no, I hate fantasy basketball. And he gives him 13.5 minutes. And OG might be back tonight. Do you have any faith in this man, like at all? Is it worth stashing him? Tell me something positive about Chris Boucher, please. I I saw him appear on one of the waiver wires in one of the leagues we play in recently, and I did not pick him up. Yeah. And is it? I mean, I think there's a scenario where stashing him could work out. But again, like you said, we've already seen him have various opportunities yeah. to produce consistent value, and it just I don't know. Doesn't it just happen. doesn't seem like it's it's going to happen in the near future. I mean, I think you're just kind of clinging to hope at this point yeah. in a much deeper league in a much deeper league. I think I would, I would hold him, but in a shallower league, I'm just, I'm moving on, yeah. I'm moving on elsewhere. And I'll, I'll take the loss if he ends up like just spiking a ton of value. I think that's where I'm at. <laughs> yeah. I think it's time 50, 53% rostered um, right now. So a lot of people, half of fantasy basketball managers everywhere are wrestling <laughs> with this decision. Let's stick in Toronto. OG might be back tonight. That's probably going to end Kem Birch's little mini surge, right? I think so. I liked Kem Birch last year, and I kind of had some hope that he would have value this year, but it has gotten a little crowded. And yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah, I think with Precious there, Precious is basically the, the backup center, so or sometimes the starting center. It's just not enough for Ken Birch. That was a fun run, but don't be clinging to him. Well, and I mean, Scotty Barnes clearly has earned his minutes, and, and those are going absolutely nowhere. So you've just got you've got a OG and an O, but you've got Pascal Siakam, you've got Scotty Barnes, all those guys, Fred Van Vliet, all, and Gary Trent Jr., all those guys. Right have earned substantial minutes. There's not a lot of minutes left, period, on that team, yeah. like when they're fully healthy. Yeah. And for some reason, Delano Barton, or however you pronounce that name, is a significant part of this rotation. But that was a beautiful transition. Scotty Barnes has hit a mini rough patch uh -oh. over the past two games. Any cause for concern there? And can he be can he be effective when when the team is fully healthy and to what extent? That's a good question. I think he can still be effective. Now he did. Uh, I think so. I mean, I think his those, some of those early, some of those high scoring games we saw early in the season probably aren't going to be there when the team is fully healthy. Yeah. But the way that he's been able to contribute in rebounds and assists, he's got six, six, and five assists in his last three games. So even in that that kind of bad game where he played thirty three minutes and shot one free right. two points, he had seven rebounds, six assists, a steal, and a block. So I just don't – I think even if he's – And I think that's super important. Well, and even if he's a guy who's only getting you 8 to 10 points on some nights, I just uh, – he he fills out the stat sheet more often than not. And the dimes have been there very consistently. Right. So I'm, I'm still very high on him. Yeah. So he 
Yeah, so he's able to contribute even when he's not scoring. And I think that's super important. And especially with, like, he comes through defensive stats. He comes through with dimes. I've been massively impressed. I wish I had him on more teams. I feel like numerically he's going to be our generation's Draymond Green. <laughs> the next generation's <laughs> Draymond Green, like, with, with more scoring upside. I'm really high on Scotty Barnes. I didn't totally understand yeah. it until I saw him in the NBA, and now I fully understand it. Same. Yeah, same. How are you feeling about Fred Van Vliet? Any complaints? He's posting top 20 net value. Top, top 20 value with like horrible shooting, which is kind of what... You should expect that, though. Oh, no, he's actually up. His, his, his field goal percentage is actually up to 42.4. He was... Which is up from last year. So I would feel great about Fred Van Vliet. I mean, the turnovers are way up this year, which is a little weird. He's up over three turnovers when he was a 1.8 per game last year. So... That's really if I if yeah more ball handling. If you asked if I have any complaints, that whoa that came in loud. That would be it. Turnovers. <laughs> could we could we do do a slightly less turnovers? But I mean, he's still producing top twenty values. So overall, no complaints. I think you're getting kind of almost exactly what you asked for. Do you have anything on Van Vliet complaints or otherwise before we go? I was going to talk about how the one league you have him was in a salary format, and at least from the leagues we're in. Have you revisited your thoughts on the th- on the salary draft format as we close out today's podcast? Because you were you were not in favor last year, but I'm looking at your team and you have a very nice team, Mr. Strout. My so te- have you changed your tune slightly? A uh, slightly, slightly, yes. I I did have a somewhat catastrophic situation in that. <laughs> draft right. <laughs> where i went really harder i accidentally got bradley beal my my main gripe with salary drafts and i know we're past our time but now we've got to close out this topic i always get someone i don't mean to get and that this year that was bradley beal i was just i don't know why but i just kind of blacked out and, and found myself bidding on him and bidding and bidding and then i ended up with him and i was like why did i do that <laughs> it happens every time and then it happened again later with kelly olenic I was trying that to was bid someone up. I was trying to bid someone <laughs> up on Kelly Olynyk. I think I think it was only nine dollars out of two hundred. What? But for where it yeah, was dude. in the draft and what happened afterwards, it was borderline catastrophic. I mean, because like I I nine on Kelly Olynyk, and then maybe it was was it more than nine? I don't even know. It was too much. I, th- I think it was nine. I think that's accurate. But then I got but Kate you, Cunningham for nine. I think right. And you also got Bam. I always Mo Bamba. For very yeah. cheap and you got Mobley. So right. I think you have a very nice team, sir. Thank you. I think I, that- it's fun, but I just wish that I could fix whatever's wrong with my brain that makes me end up with players <laughs> I truly do not want in that format. You're getting so, there. I'm going to work on that. Jared, a pleasure. Thanks for coming by. That is going to do it for us on this episode. Don't forget to subscribe and Apple Podcasts on Spotify, wherever you listen. Take a second to rate and review us as well if you haven't done that. Again, programming reminder, no new episode on Thursday, but we are here talking waivers on Friday. want to say thanks to everyone for listening and for watching live, and thanks to all of our writers, Steve, Raph, Corey, and you, Jared. Enjoy the holiday, everyone. Jared, talk to you soon. Happy Thanksgiving. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Life is a highway. 
And on it, there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one McCrispy. So go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.